This is Tom Fox. Welcome to the newest edition in the Compliance Podcast Network. My latest podcast, Compliance and Coronavirus. As the voice of compliance, I wanted to start a podcast which will help bring both clarity and sanity to the field of compliance, the compliance practitioner, and indeed the compliance profession during this worldwide health and healthcare crisis. Taking up a variety of topics as diverse as working from home to sporting events to the role of the board of directors to crisis management to the role of supply chains. We will look at all of these in this podcast. If you have a topic you'd like covered on compliance and coronavirus, please let me know. I'd be happy to do a podcast on it. We will post on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday at 9 a.m. Central Time for the foreseeable future as we navigate our way through this incredible crisis. First, a word about our sponsor, SAI Global. With the coronavirus and COVID-19 pandemic continuing to change rapidly, trust and integrity are paramount to business continuity preparedness. SAI Global is here to help compliance and risk professionals facing these challenges, including unprecedented business impacts from employee well-being to disrupted supply chains. SAI 360 is a cloud-first software and modern ethics and compliance learning platform designed to help you navigate risk from every perspective. To learn more about how you can protect your business operations and workforce during these uncertain times, visit saiglobal.com backslash risk for free resources, expert guidance, and industry-leading technology. Thanks again to SAI Global for sponsoring this most important podcast. In this episode, I have Gordon Firemark. Gordon is an entertainment lawyer in Los Angeles, and we take a look at the force majeure clause that is present in almost every contract. What does it do? What does it not do? And what do you need to invoke it in this time of coronavirus crisis? Hello, everyone. Tom Fox back for another episode with Gordon Firemark. Gordon is an entertainment lawyer. He specializes in helping podcasters like myself. So, Gordon, I'm a, I'm a utilizer of Gordon Firemark products and services, so I can personally attest to those. So, Gordon, first of all, with an incredibly long-winded introduction, welcome and thank you for taking the time to visit with me today. Hi, Tom. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Gordon, could you remind our listeners a little bit about your uh, practice? Well, I am primarily an entertainment, media, and business lawyer. I'm located in Los Angeles, California. I've been doing it for about 29 years now, and... Uh, um, I'm going to get it right one of these days, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, and, uh, you know, I work with, uh, clients in the entertainment industry mostly, um, that in, nowadays that also includes podcasters and YouTubers and folks making all kinds of different media. But, uh, historically that's been folks in the, uh, film, television, and the live theater industries. Gordon, uh, for, uh, the majority of my practice, I practiced law in Houston, Texas. And as you may guess, had some energy clients. So force majeure clause was something that uh, if uh, no one really paid attention to, they were at least, least aware of it. But I wanted uh, you to maybe uh, talk about what a force majeure clause is, and you've written a blog post to it that we'll link to in our show notes, and then we'll explore how it relates to uh, the entertainment world generally and podcasting specifically. Great. So a force majeure clause is basically a contract provision where the parties have negotiated uh, an answer to the question, what happens if something big happens that prevents one or the other of us from performing the terms of our contract? So, you know, historically that's been things like acts of God, fires, floods, insurrections, 
labor unrest, uh, you know, and these things. And, and these are, um, provisions that have be, they're pretty ubiquitous in, in long form contracts. Uh, everybody sees them, everybody leaves them alone because there's just, they're, you know, what, what is there to negotiate? Right. And the truth of it is we're now seeing, uh, from me talking to some of my clients, um, there were things that could have been negotiated into those contracts. And uh, sometimes they've got a really solid one and sometimes they don't. But, you know, without a force majeure clause, what you have in the instance of something like the major world events that we're seeing now uh, is uh, reliance on common law principles of impossibility of performance or impracticability of performance, as it's called, uh, where the events surrounding things just make it impossible. Uh, for the parties to do the thing in the contract or frustration of purpose where for whatever reason um, things have changed enough that the original intentions of the parties to go into this contract, the reasons for doing it are just gone and, and, uh, and, and you know, one or the other parties may have taken on the risk of that happening. Uh, and so the courts, you know, historically would, would just, Look at it and, and weigh the outcome. Of who, you know who, who's better situated to res, to be responsible for this uh, um, for this loss, essentially. And sometimes they just let the parties walk away. Gordon, in addition to delineating or not what might be covered in a force majeure, there's typically a notice provision. What is that? Well, in the um, in many of the contracts, the notice provision is designed to say, "Look, if we are going to rely on this event that has happened." to suspend or terminate the contract, we have to tell you so. And, you know, otherwise we, you know, we, we don't, we're not just going to let it go on and on in limbo without some kind of notification to the parties. So if I'm on one side of a contract and you're on the other, and I say, well, there was an earthquake near my home and I'm not going to be able to do anything for the next six months, then I need to tell you somehow we've had this earthquake. It's going to prevent my performance. Therefore I'm triggering the force measure clause and, uh, you know, depending on what the clause says about what happens next, either suspending or terminating the contract for that amount of time. Gordon, in following the news from the great state of California, if I could contrast that with the state of Texas, the governor yeah. of California has uh, issued a, a stay at home. Uh, I think it's stronger than a suggestion, but I'm not sure it rises to the level of order. Here in Texas, the governor has pointedly not done that and has left it up to local local cities, states, excuse me, local counties and other municipal districts to make that decision. How do those governmental decisions factor into a force majeure clause? Well, it's a good question. Uh, and I, each force majeure clause has to be weighed on its own. It's a negotiated portion of a contract, right? So we have to look at the, first of all, does a force majeure clause exist? But then what does it say? If, they, if it refers to governmental action, then uh, then we have to dive deeper. Is this the kind of governmental action that's contemplated here? And uh, if so, then then it triggers the operation of that clause and the need for notice and, and whatever else is going to happen. One of the troubles is that many clauses uh, will say they'll be they'll try to be so inclusive. You know, lawyers love to add words if they can, right? So we'll say you know governmental action including X, Y, and Z. Well, if Q happens. And it's not listed in X, Y, and Z. Sometimes it'll even say including X, Y, Z and other matters and, uh, and other similar or, or, you know, something along those lines. So expansive language. But there's a, a, a doctrine in, uh, in interpretation of these things that we interpret those things very, very narrowly only to include other things of like kind. So if we say fires, floods and, and, um, you know, other natural calamities, 
Well, <laughs> you know, then the fact that people got sick might not be included. If we include epidemic or pandemic, then something like what's going on right now, coronavirus, might would be included, I think, in, in this instance. But the government action is the is the interesting one because we've got the pandemic, and some clauses do include. Usually, it's the word epidemic, not pandemic. But I think that for the, our purposes, they're pretty much interchangeable. One includes the other, right? So uh, I think we're we're good there. But if, when you don't have that language, you're looking to the government lang- government action language. So if here in California, if I'm not allowed to leave the house, um, then that government action might render my performance of a contract impossible or impracticable or maybe just frustrated. And so, the, yeah, we, we end up having to look at this question. And I don't know. We'll know, you know two or three years from now when all the cases are litigated, we will know the answers to this. Um, are you seeing this uh, beginning to be invoked in the entertainment industry? They were being invoked uh, a couple of weeks ago already. We were seeing, you know, movie productions shut down and, uh, you know, immediately the producers would have to send out notice to everybody involved in the production and often the financiers would need to be notified as well. We're, we're suspending time until this thing is over. And uh, yeah, so it was just the prudent thing to do would, uh, was to send out that notice as early as possible. Um, smaller productions, smaller parties are the ones that tend not to realize that they have to do something. So, um, you know, if, if I have a client who is a, uh, a producer who's bought us the rights to a screenplay and they bought it under an option contract and they've got, you know, six months, 12 months to go, well, that time is continuing to run until they send out that notice. And so for people who are, those timeframes are starting to come close to the end, we're hustling <laughs> to get those notices taken care of. You know, that's a great point because, uh, as I mentioned in Texas, we've, we've, had to look at those generally from weather-related issue yeah. perspectives. Uh, and what we saw after um, the uh, Deepwater Horizon and series of hurricanes was then an additional time frame written into the force majeure clause, which mandated uh, termination of contract if there was a frustration of performance for over 30, 60, usually 60 or 90 days. Um, yeah. Is that something uh, that uh, you have seen as well? Yeah, sometimes we'll we'll have another clause in there that that mandates that if a suspension continues in effect for more than X number of days, then the affected party has the right to to elect a termination or elect to continue a suspension. So usually, what happens is the studio or the producer of a film, for example, will will suspend, but then the the actor who's now not working and you know waiting and something else comes along the actor will say well it's been 60 days so we're terminating and we can renegotiate when you're ready um to to restart production or something like that you really had a great point that i wanted to follow up a little bit on which was uh, the notice period can extend certain deadlines under a contract and it really drove home, drove home for me the point that both parties have rights under a force yeah. majeure clause uh, and simply because you are not the larger or stronger party does not mean that it could not be to your advantage to seek legal counsel and perhaps invoke that clause. Yeah, I think I do see some force majeure clauses that are very one-sided in the way they're written that, you know, in the event of a force majeure, the producer will have the right to X, Y, Z. And I think that the way, and, and this is me just supposition here, but I think that the courts would look at that as being a fairly mutual uh, thing. I mean, if, if either party is, is pre- pre- prevented from performing, they need to have the the uh, opportunity to avail themselves of these kinds of remedies. It may be that they've set up a separate mechanisms for both parties. You know, the 
the artist can withdraw under these circumstances and the producers can suspend or withdraw under this circumstance, whatever. Again, it's a negotiated provision. And so ultimately I think the courts are going to just look at, is this fair or is it somehow unconscionable to only give one of the parties the rights? Gordon, what would you advise a client or prospective client to, uh, to do at this point? Well, go and if you have contracts where the time is running right now and you're in the middle of something that, uh, you know, that might need to be suspended, then we've got to take a look at those contracts, find out if there's a force majeure clause, find out if there's some other basis for uh, terminating or suspending, if that's what you want to do, and uh, and then either send out those notices or open up conversations with the other party. It's possible to negotiate in these scenarios, too, if there's anybody to talk to. <laughs> Unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted more information yourself on the firm or any of the topics we talked about, where could they go? Well, my law firm uh, website is at firemark.com. That's F-I-R-E-M-A-R-K.com. And if you're interested in sort of the other stuff that I do in the uh, online business space and forms and templates and things like that, gordonfiremark.com is sort of a clearinghouse for all my stuff. And I would suggest to anyone who listens to this podcast, check out his stuff because he's got some real gems in his stuff, both online courses and uh, downloadable contracts and other information that uh, you can use, whether you're a compliance officer or a podcaster. And by the way, my podcast is entertainmentlawupdate.com. And check out his podcast because it's a ton of fun. So Gordon, uh, I probably will be visiting with you again at some point in the next weeks or months. Sounds great, Tom. It's been nice to be here. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like explored on this podcast, please shoot me an email at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, as a call to action, I would ask if you could to please tell one of your friends about the podcast so we can spread the word out about the newest podcast on the Compliance Podcast Network. Also, if you would leave us a rating on iTunes or a review, it would greatly help get this the word out about this most important podcast over the next several months. Thanks again for listening, and I hope you'll join me for our next episode of Compliance and Coronavirus. This podcast is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.